When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celtic State of Mind, it's the Wednesday Bulletin and I'm Paul John Dykes. I'm joined today by Patrick McGill and John Yogi Hughes. Guys, a week is a long time in football, is it not? <laughs> eh? Yes, me. It's, Pat, is it's it a long time in politics and it's a long time in football. <laughs> this time last week we were sitting here going, oh no, he won't be leaving, I don't think he'll leave, you know. The rumours weren't dying down, you know, they'd been going for six days by that point, but, you know, only six days later. That's him announced officially away. So it's 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 impressive that he's, he's managed to negotiate a deal within a couple of days. I think it's obviously been going on in the background a lot longer. But yes, it's it's a fast moving business. What are we what are we talking about here, guys? I assumed we were just going to go straight into the treble, the world well, record breaking eighth treble. What is it you guys are talking about? Precisely, John. This is the thing. Last week, John, Patrick was sitting there and I love the fact that he really wanted to get it up in Vernes Cali because of the you know the, the previous indiscretions. Um, but since the game, all the focus has been on Ange, all the focus has been on what next. And like you say, let's have a look at where we are. And we're going to be doing that today, John, because obviously um, we're going to have a, a right good structured talk as to where we are as a football club, where we're going to go next, um, what we are concerned about, etc. And we've done it in a way uh, suggested by yourself that I think will cover all bases, won't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday and I was still a bit emotional about it yesterday because obviously, you know, I had sort of invested uh, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of emotional capital in Ange as a man, <clears throat> um, knowing full well, of course, that that can come back and fire. But I thought there may be something there uh, that meant that he, he wouldn't bite at something like this in, in, uh, immediately. Uh, and more full me, but, you know, again, uh, as I said, uh, you know, uh, football is an emotional game. Uh, and if you don't care, what's the point you know, we love our club, it's in our DNA. We love our heroes because we choose to love them. Uh, and it's better to have loved and lost. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, you know, it's I, I'm, I'm sad uh, and very, very, very disappointed, um, equally concerned about a number of things. But I wanted to try, uh, you know, so I was thinking what are the positives that can come of this? And I thought of a couple of positives. And then I thought, well, why don't we? just structure it as you would do in business. We do a SWOT analysis. So, you know, that's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. And that gives us an opportunity to really see where we are in, a, you know, a less emotional way, uh, you know, because you're starting to see a lot of backlash on the and things being said about mm. and stuff like that. Uh, you know, 
fair enough, people want to do that. I understand the grieving process. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, you know, I understand what it is to be dumped because uh, that's what it feels like. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, you know, slag anyone off for, for being upset. So, I, look, I, I just, I, I would prefer to just get a handle on where we are, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, and those, a lot of those weaknesses persist from before. What are the opportunities that we are now presented with uh, that, you know, maybe we didn't have under Ange, and what are our threats? So strengths and weaknesses are internal things. Opportunities and threats are external things, uh, generally speaking. And something can be an opportunity and a threat. Something can be a strength and a weakness, that sort of thing. But it gives us a structure, you know, to talk yeah. about. You know, so I, I, you know, if it's all right with you, uh, Paul, I, I prefer. Let, why not kick off on a positive note, uh, and we'll go through the strengths. Uh, of and, which, uh, of which there are many, John. Absolutely. Yes, and I would like to point out to everyone. You know, we thought about this, or I thought about this, essentially. That you know, this morning, so we've we've each had about sort of fifteen, twenty minutes to do something. This is not a days long analysis that you know you would do in a corporate structure for this. We don't have a PowerPoint, do we? No, we don't have a PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> I would love one, though. Uh, no, but we don't. But um, you know, I mean, if we if we look at our strengths, your strengths are you know uh, the strengths of the club in general. So I'll go through mine. You guys can tick off as you go. Uh, and if you have anything to add, uh, just throw them in at the end there. So the good news is we're uh, financially stable and profitable. We're an extremely strong global brand. Um, we're domestically dominant. We have an inbuilt financial advantage over our nearest rivals. We have a global fan base. We have stable ownership. We have diehard fans. We have a great history to the club. Uh, we have a very strong position at the moment, uh, attractive potentially to elite managers, and the squad is asset rich, and we have money in the bank. Superb, John. I mean, some of mine um, will fall into the categories, and, and domestically dominant, word for word, is exactly what I've got on here as well. Um, I would also throw in some of the uh, allure uh, alluring aspects of the job would be the fact that we've, we've got Champions League football next season. Going back into what you said about the fan base, huge season ticket sales year on year. Um, I think, and I hope this continues, we have a good recruitment strategy already inbuilt at the club. I hope that is at the club and not just at, with stopping at Ange. Um, and I, I'm, I've got in here ambition, but like you said, that is also one of the weaknesses, I think, because yeah. I've got ambition, <laughs> ambition yeah. of the fans um, in here. What What is our ambition for our football club? The other thing, and people might, you know, absolutely hate to hear this, after Ange leaving for Spurs, after Brendan Rodgers leaving for Leicester, what we have done with players in the past, John, is offered a gateway to bigger leagues. And I think that in terms of managerial appointments, that's something that you've got to see as a strength because you can get a higher calibre of manager then. So I've got that down there as well. What about yourself, Patrick? Anything to add to that? Um. Well, I've put down guaranteed uh, Champions League participation next season, but that's quite minor compared to sort of all the other ones. You know, I had strong squad full of assets, cash in the bank. Um, I, I sort of, I was going to say loyal fan base. I'll go for faithful fan base instead. Um, <laughs> big season ticket videos. <laughs> um, strong commercial partnerships, and I put a wealthy owner, but I suppose stable ownership. It's you know six and a half a dozen. Um, so, yep, yeah, totally agree. I, I didn't think of the uh, the recruitment side. I, 
I'm almost sort of pegging that entirely on Ange. I'm hoping that's not the case. I've, I, I might have even put that as a weakness, but um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's something that continues. But I uh, very similar, very similar strengths. Yeah, no, that's very a, quickly, John. You stuff. see, you see, there's a lot of positives. Like, for example, going through, and I hope because I've got this as a weakness, going through a recruitment strategy and a process uh, for a manager. You would hope that this is a very um, attractive proposition to come to Celtic. So you would then look, I guess, John, at the weaknesses that, we, that we've that we identified internally at the club. Yeah, well, I mean, again, you can go through this. You could, uh, you know, as, as I think I said before we come on, each one of these we could do an entire show on. So we're just going to skip through them and then come back to the, the points that are most concerning us just now. But for me, you know, weaknesses, you know, are internal things. So you're looking at... Um, uh, a small TV market. Uh, the corporate structure, the structure of the board, is not right. Uh, the football structure is not right. Uh, and again, there was a lot of uh, cracks being papered over by Angie's success, and all mm-hmm. the things that we were going to do suddenly went to the wayside. So, still no director of football, all that sort of thing. And now that leaves us back in the position for. You know, and this is now. I mean, we have to we have to realise this is going to be a regular thing now because people. You know, again, I'm off on a tangent, but the, you know, if people are going to come in and jump ship every couple of years because they've been successful and offered a job, we need some continuity. You know, and that continuity is going to have to come from a director of football. So you have to ask why we don't have one, and maybe you know that's what Mark Lowell might uh, be stepping up to at some point in the future. Um, so. The football structure, I think, is a weakness. The facilities, uh, there's a lot of weaknesses with the facilities, um, you know, and obviously with the training uh, behind the background, not just the stadium and all, uh, because we all, you know, have seen all the rumours doing the rounds about, you know, Ange being offered the, the new analysis room and all that sort of thing. I have good reason to believe all that's true. Um, so uh, the stadium, the external needs work. I think it was yourself, uh, Paul John, did you not point out to me one time that apparently there was a an analysis done of, you know, uh, looking at the facilities in the stadium and you were looking at a potentially £17 million spend with no addition of seats for that, you know, just mm-hmm. to get the facilities, you know, sorted out. So that's a big one. Um, so ownership, uh, again, you know, I've got... I've got, uh, funnily enough, the ownership in three sections here. I've got it in strengths, I've got it in weaknesses, and I've got it in threats, right? So the the ownership is basically a beneficent dictatorship. You know, we have a a board that are effectively beholden to the the, the major shareholder. Um, But, you know, it could be worse. And our failures in Europe, uh, obviously, uh, and the weaknesses continued, were financially constrained by wages, and the attractiveness if uh, there's no Champions League guaranteed. Uh, that I don't think, you know, to do with the, the point that we're discussing today, they're not going to immediately trust a new manager with the entire transfer budget they just agreed with Ange. I think that's a problem. Uh, and we're in risk of the, the players being assets stripped. So that's why I'd have it weaknesses-wise. Yeah, I definitely. So we started off on a positive John, but now we're all hiding behind the couch, having uh, heard a lot of them. We've got opportunities as well. <laughs> I mean, I had said about the Champions League being a strength, and it is a strength, um, but then it becomes a weakness in that 
uh, you build everything around that in terms of budgets, um, attracting new players. And if you have that disastrous season as we did under Neil Lennon when we were going for the 10, um, that becomes uh, an issue. I, I've actually put it down as we're inept at the moment in Europe. I think we are. I think we have been for a long time. Um, and, you know, you can compare that actually with what Anch has gone to. Yes, they don't have European football next season, but over the last decade, they have done very well. They've got to a Champions League final. They've got to the last 16 three times. Uh, I keep saying it. But that is something that we can't offer a manager at the moment. So I see that as, as a weakness at Celtic. Um, board board level, John, totally agree with everything you said. I, I would just say also on top of that, I think they, are, they lack diversity, um, diversity of ideas. They lack creativity. At boardroom level, I see absolutely nothing coming out of there uh, that excites the fans whatsoever in terms of uh, an outlook or even a plan. What is the board's ambitions in Europe? We don't know because they never tell us. Um, and I think also, and this is one that, that uh, Lawrence and I crossed swords with each other over yesterday, I think we have got a history of poor managerial recruitment. Um, and what I mean by that is if you look at the last twice that we've recruited a manager, the first one was um, Neil Lennon, who at the time obviously had uh, had a, a bust up with a couple of people at Hibs and he was suspended on full leave when we gave him the temporary post. He eventually gets the permanent post, apparently in the showers at Hamden. I don't know if that's just been a myth that's been created from an off-the-cuff comment. And then... Um, my issue with that was who else was in the running for the job? You know, who else applied for the job? Who else was interviewed for the job? Um, it would appear no one. And then the last time round, I wrote a blog about it during the week. Uh, we only went to Ange because we got the knockback from Eddie Howe and we'd gone far too um, far down the road with Eddie Howe. And Ange actually was a panic. Uh, it was a panic situation and the board got extremely lucky. Very, very lucky. Uh, the, the, the top of my page, this is great. You know, I showed you, I've got notes all over the show here. Uh, lack of defined systems for recruitment when it comes to my. When something like this happens, and it seems to happen to us fairly regularly, you would like to think there would just be a system that kicks into place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here are all the guys we've been tracking. Here's the current position. You know, we, we, we go and talk to them, uh, Games of Pogi. It wouldn't just be the most convenient. Uh, it wouldn't just be fixating on one target. I mean, the board accumulated themselves over how. Absolutely. You know, uh, he, he played them for a fool uh, and the rest of us as well. Uh, so we don't want to see that happening again. But we should have, and this is this is where you don't want to get a motive about it, that should be fixed. Mm -hmm. That is a, That is a corporate issue. That should be fixed. There should be a defined uh, system for the recruitment. Here's what happens. Here's the stages. Here's how we contact people. Uh, here's how we filter them down. Not just who's Dermot Desmond playing golf with, you know, or you know who's in the showers and is convenient. Uh, and we've had far too much champagne to make a coherent decision. You know that sort of <laughs> exactly. Way. Uh, Hence so, the reason Connor Hazard got a three-year deal as well. Uh, but yeah, that's another story. In <laughs> saying that, Dermot Desmond seems to be playing golf with Pep Guardiola, so I'm not sure that that's the worst thing in the world. So Celtic, Glasgow, we'll yes, that Pep, out yet. got it. Pep's got it. Pep has got it. There's a strategy right there. Absolutely, but the only other two for me is we play in a very small league, and that that takes into the, the whole broadcasting issues and, and the sponsorship issues and everything else. I mean, I was talking about the prize money. You, you dominate Scottish football for a season and you win three trophies and your prize pot is 4.8 million quid. 
Whereas if you get relegated from the EPL, you get 100.9 million plus a 40.3 million parachute payment. So, I mean, that that is just a, a minute speck of dust in the great uh, scheme of things when it comes to finance. And, and finally, I've, I've got in here ambition again because we don't know what the ambition is of the board. And I always go back to that time when Ian Bankier was asked at one of the fans' forums, Patrick, I don't know if you were at it, I think Declan might have been at it, and he spoke about, oh, we just can't compete in Europe, you know, and it was like this deadly silence in the room where everybody's gone, sorry, you can't compete, so you're just not going to try, you know. Um, a total lack of ambition, and I hope that the ambitions um, are a, a lot more defined than that going forward. Patrick, have you seen any other weaknesses other than that? Um, I've, I've actually put squad depth. I think we've seen towards the end of the season. You know, we, we this is the thing now. You're sort of looking back, wondering. You don't know how long the negotiations between Angie's camp and Tottenham are going on. You don't know whether you know the guy might have taken his eye off the ball. It, there's a, a, I think since Hearts away in the Scottish Cup in early March, I, I can't think of a standout performance. You know, for half an hour we were great against Kilmarnock uh, on Trophy Day. We were brilliant in spells. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's hard to think of a really standout performance. So I put squad depth because, you know, you've seen if guys like, you know, if Carter Vickers t- is taking out the team, all of a sudden we look hell of a shaky at the back. Uh, when Joe Hart isn't in goal, we look incredibly shaky in goal. Um, Burnaby, I think, struggled towards the end of the season. Uh, the midfield, you know, we've got brilliant first choice options and we've got plenty of squad options, but it's whether they're good enough or not. Um, I've, I've put just like no manager, no staff, because apparently Kennedy and Strachan are going to follow Ange down to London. Um, whether that happens or not, uh, you know, time will tell. But it's it's a situation we've not found ourselves in for as long as I can remember. You know, John Kennedy's always been there. We've always had some coaches remain um, mm-hmm. after a manager leaves. Um, Over reliance on a good appointment is another one. Uh, you can sort of factor that into sort of I don't know overall corporate incompetence, board incompetence, because, you know, when we have a good manager, things are brilliant. When we have a bad manager, things are absolutely god-awful. Um, so you could relate that to issues with the football structure, um, a sort of lack of continuity and over-reliance on one individual within a, 100, within a company of, a, I think it's 114 million we're projected to turn over this year. is an absolutely incredible position to be in. Um, and then just sort of general erratic board decisions. I mean, you were saying there, John, about the chasing of Eddie Howe and how embarrassing it was. I mean, for two months we chased him and we, we got to the end of May and still we were asking the question, why aren't you signing? Mm. We end up going to Ange. We get lucky. It's a brilliant appointment within a couple of weeks of the season starting. Uh, we're bringing Gordon Strachan in as an advisory role. Uh, there's talks about Bernard Higgins coming in as some sort of security. It's just a good decision, bad decision, good decision, bad decision. It's, it's very erratic, so those are the four weaknesses I've got, but all of yours, you know, it's just it didn't come to me in the 15, 20 minutes I spent preparing that they're all they're all definitely prevalent and something that needs addressed. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I would throw comms in, I'd throw communication in, and I've seen a lot of people saying, what do you expect? No, you're not expecting something every day, but sometimes when the time is right to communicate with the fans, they just leave it, and they leave it, and they leave it, and then things fester. Sometimes it's just about being up front, using the communication ability that we undoubtedly have to yeah, speak but there to are no, no recent examples of that, though, Paul John. I mean, unless you include uh, Spurs announcing that our manager had left. I know. Exactly, you know, I know, and we're all we're all sitting there uh, on tenterhooks. I think that 
that that's always been a big criticism of us uh, since we started Axon back in 2016. Um, I'm going to jump on to some of the comments before we come back. This is very interesting indeed, actually, because I think you're right as well about the squad depth. All season, we were talking about that being a strength. Now, now you're kind of putting that into the, the weakness section as well. Expo Scotland, um, you're commenting on the YouTube channel. And if Ange and Spurs want any Celtic players, they must think they're good enough to improve their team in the EPL. So they must pay EPL prices. I think that might creep in to the threat section of this discussion um, because obviously there has been a big focus on the staff. But which players would Ange like to take down to London as well? And Scott Mason, hail, hail, all boys and girls and Axom crew. Hope you're having a good day. I thought I'd bring this one up, Scott, because that's a nice positive comment in amongst a lot of worry and anguish um, and disdain uh, that we've been suffering over the last few days and the slabbering cabbage. Welcome to the show. This is the first time I've seen you coming up uh, on the screen. It would be good uh, to get top dollar and then reinvest it if the new manager needs to tweak the team to his style. Again, just uh, working it to your advantage, really, if and when, well, when a new manager comes in. You've already got a big pot, but I take on board what you say, John. It's about having the the confidence uh, that you would have had in Ange to go out and spend that money as well. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, Ange said he saw the stall out, and the reason why things worked out so well is because he had great results very quickly with cheap players, and the, that gave the board huge confidence in him, and they were happy to let him go. <clears throat> you know, if he'd come in and signed a middle baldy, you know, or something like that, you know, you know, if. Um, if we'd seen, you know, typical sort of project player signings that we've seen in the past, you know, the the, the age of Ange would never have happened. You know, none of this would ever have happened. So, I mean, at the time, what I said was, and the thing we can't forget about Ange, because it, it, there is a good chance now going forward, if we are attracting elite managers, we're only going to get two years out of them, maybe three tops, absolute tops. So, we need that continuity in a director of football. But only Ange could have done this job. I don't think Eddie Howe could have done the job uh, no. because we needed someone with that knowledge of transfer markets where we could completely regenerate an entire squad, do it quickly, have them hit the ground running, have a guy with a very, very strong ethos when players are bought to fit that. Uh, and Ange, uh, you know, he got us out of what could have been a catastrophic year following Another, you know, one catastrophic year. We could have had another catastrophic year very easily, very easily. So let's not forget that. You know, Ange was uniquely qualified to do uh, the job that we needed him to do. Uh, so again, you know, this is, um, you know, it feels like you're sitting here talking to someone about how beautiful your ex was, you know. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, that those are the facts. So uniquely qualified, and this is, you know, uh, one of the threats here, which you know, come to. I, I, I want to do opportunities first because I, I don't want to be fixating on the negative. But one of the threats is, you know, again, this is a uniquely dangerous time. The appointment of a manager, uh, you know, in any football club is a uniquely risky time um, because the potential. Uh, of you know what happens, uh, the, the 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 consequences of what happens if you get that wrong can be very very far reaching and very difficult to put right um, uh, in any sort of reasonable time frame. So 
you know, the, the people just being blase and saying, oh, we'll get a guy in, we'll be fine. I don't, I don't believe it's as simple as that. You know, if, if our standards slip, uh, you know, and for instance, you know, some some Rangers get him a, uh, one of their sugar daddies pouring a pile of money in, you know, or whatever happens, um, you know, there are threats there that are, we are not too far away from. You know, we are we are, we are dominant, but we're not we're not completely out of sight. So, you know, it's there's thing. But anyway, I've jumped to the, I've jumped to the threats, and uh, I I didn't want to do that. So, if it's all right with you guys. Can we focus on the positive and go at the opportunities first before we start? Absolutely. Threats? Let's go for it, John. If you want to run through your list first. Yeah, so I was going to say uh, a new manager uh, brings potential success in Europe because mm-hmm. I felt one of the, the, the weaknesses potentially was Angie's system. While uh, great to watch, we may never have been able to play that successfully in Europe with the calibre of player that we can afford. Very difficult to punch up in that situation, I think. So that was a potential weakness. So uh, a new manager might be able to tweak that and bring us success in Europe. Um, we can see continued expansion because we're, I think we're going to continue buying from these value markets. Continued expansion of uh, merch operations, continued expansion of the brand. Uh, and potentially if we have a more Eurocentric calendar, if we can, uh, if we can start... Uh, you know, get, getting results. Uh, they are a more Eurocentric calendar means more interest. It's more attractive to uh, players coming in. It's more attractive to the fans. Um, you know, and all, you know other opportunities there. You know, uh, and this this is directly in the, the one of the threats as well is external takeover um, by a, a hopefully a, a Gulf state. <laughs> Well, I can see why that would be in a threat because remember we spoke about that recently. David Lowe yeah. was talking about it, wasn't he? He was. Yes, um, it's very, it's very much a double-edged sword. Yeah, I to- yeah. totally is. I not to mention the ethical issues. Yeah, <laughs> I know that this is the thing. I mean, I've, I've said for many, many years that there are. I don't support any other club other than Celtic. There are certain teams you take a a, a kind of like liking to for for any number of reasons. And uh, down south, I used to go down. I'd say fairly regularly over a period of years to watch Newcastle. And I loved the fan base, John. It was a fan base that I loved, right? But then when they get uh, taken over and all this money gets pumped into them, you're looking at them as a club and you think, well, I'm not going to go and watch you guys again because it was, it was, it's completely different when you look at the ethical nature of where the money is coming. Um, in terms of opportunities, I would say... Uh, and this has been very positive, and I'm not being blasé on in terms of the quality of the manager that's just left. Go out and get a better manager. I think that, you know, you look at the situation for what it is and think, right, okay, we brought Ange. No one else brought Ange. I know he had a very short spell in, in Greek football. We brought Ange to the, the, the forefront of European football, which has led to him getting this big move into the EPL. But I think we can do better. I think we can actually get a better manager than Ange Postacoglu uh, and we can replace him. And I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm not dissing the man. I wish him all the best. I think that if he does well, and this is the reason I asked the question, how do you think he'll do at Spurs yesterday? It's because if he does well, I think it reflects well on Celtic uh, in terms of this club that can actually feed. Um, because where we are, and we've already spoken about it, because where we are in Scottish football, we can feed bigger leagues with 
players with management. So I think it reflects well on Celtic. It reflects well on um, how we are able to develop a manager. But I think we can do better. That's an opportunity. I, I see it as an opportunity, Patrick. I mean, um, is there anything else you would add to that? Um, yeah, I would sort of add on to the point that you're making there that we should definitely be aiming, and this sort of ties into what Ian Bankier said, that I wasn't at that, but from what you said about we can't compete in Europe, the aim should always be to improve. You know, we can't just sort of hold our hands uh, mm-hmm. hold our hands up and say, oh, well, we're not going to get a better manager, no point in even trying. You should at least try and get a better manager, whether it's possible, you know, is irrelevant. You should always be striving and trying. That's why I've never been a fan of buying scored players. You should always try and buy players who will at least compete to get in the first team. And, um, yeah, just, you know, opportunities. It's basically things that I would like to see, really. You know, we, we've got a chance to progress in Europe. I know Angie's left and I know we're all sort of preparing for that second Champions League campaign, but the players are Champions League experienced. We've got money in the bank. We're an attractive opposition to any to most coaches. Um, so we can get a good manager in and we can do certainly do better than last year in Europe, you know, hopefully pick up more than two points uh, to be in with and not get humped five one. Um chance to improve the squad, you know, Angie's been saying a few players will probably depart this summer. Obviously, once you factor in the youth players, the loan players, you know, all the sort of squad players, we do have 30 or 40 bodies. So there's going to be a lot of people going off the wage bill, bringing in a few quid. So we've got a chance to really improve there. Um, and that's a, that's another thing that I'm quite disappointed in. Um, the fact that we've, you know, I thought maybe this was the year that we improve the goalkeeper, we, we get a better squad depth, we go again in Europe. And it never really happened under Ange, you know, I think we desperately need to make an upgrade on Joe Hart. I think the defence can certainly get a lot better as well. We need to become more solid. Um, so there's an opportunity there. Um, the banner, uh, after full time, 115 trophies, most successful team in Scotland. Um, just about everyone in the Scottish establishment believes the, the same club myth. So they all insist that 116 is the most successful. We've got a chance to overtake that this season. So that like no one, that. unless they start counting all the Glasgow Cups that they won Petro, about 100 Petro years Fat ago. Petrofat Cup, yeah, yeah. Aye. Aye, the lower league trophies and mm-hmm. that, that Florida Cup they won that Spongebob gave to them. Uh, you know, unless they start counting them, um, we've got a chance to become the most successful. What about the ceramics on the bike? Oh, the bike. Oh, it's the Spongebob Cup. I love that. I love that. No, you're right, because I think... Um, 121 when when they add all the all the all the nonsense cups they're on 121 now apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God knows where they get their maths from. It must have been uh, no. must have been the old accountant that was doing the sums <laughs> exactly. there. <laughs> exactly that. But you know the the thing about the the opportunities is is this in any change there is opportunity. Yeah. But it requires smart bold decisions and solid processes. Uh, to you know, uh, to make those decisions um, effectively. Uh, if you're just doing stuff on the fly, then you're doing it when you're under pressure. You're doing it when you haven't thought this through. You're doing it when you're not prepared, or you're on the back foot, or you're angry about being let down, you know, or whatever it is. But regardless, you know, we are we because we are you know under no illusions, we are under pressure. Because we need some, we've got Champions League football, but we need someone to come in, review that squad, make decisions on, you know, uh, transfers, 
uh, make decisions on squad strengthening, make decisions on who's in and out the door. These are massive decisions, yeah. you know, especially when you haven't been training those players. Um, do we continue on getting the players that Mark Lowell already had lined up? You know, are they even now still available to us because they might have come because Ange was attractive to them? You know, are they going to come now? You know, so there, there are, um, you know, there are opportunities um, and, uh, you know, those those need to be taken quickly. Um, but equally, you know, you get it wrong, that opportunity that you're trying to take suddenly becomes a threat to the whole thing. Um, so that's why, you know, you, you need to be bold, you need to be decisive, uh, you need to be, have that based on systems. You need a good bit of luck because timing is very important in football, you know. So, um, but, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, project um, your, your future success on luck, but, you know, it does help. But at the same time, you know, we have to now seize this opportunity. We get a better manager. We try and build on the style of uh, the, 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 you know, not not a manager who's a million miles away. Let's not be ridiculous. We're not getting some long old ball merchant in. You know, we're preferably we're not getting someone in. You know, again, we're, we're talking about you know the likes of Jesse Marsh as a name. You know, viable candidate doesn't play with wingers. Um, you know, because as he said so uh, insightfully, the goal is in the middle. Um, you know, which. I, I'm sorry. I'm wondering if Ted Lasso was a documentary about his life, to be fair. Um, but, um, you know, guys like that, you know, so we lose, you know, some of our most uh, devastating players are on the wing. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'd prefer to, to try and keep some sort of continuity. And this would not be such a drama if we had a director of football and the head of recruitment and scouting, like Mark Lowell, in the background, and the head coach was a coach, was a guy who was coming in, you know, under that the auspices, under that umbrella, uh, and coaching the team to the best of his ability. But, you know, coaching within the parameters of a certain style, not Ange Ball, because Ange Ball had a lot, a lot of flaws, but, you know, we, we, we want to be able to use the players that we've already got. I do not do not want this, and nor do we want this to become, you know, uh, every couple of years. We do not want to be gutting the squad, changing no. style, resetting to zero, going nowhere in Europe because, oh, no, well, it'll be next year, it'll be next year. No, 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 it's this year. It needs to be this year. We've had two years of building. Right, and because we've changed manager, that does not change the fact that we've put in place a solid enough squad that we can build on. So don't be, you know, appointing someone who's going to come in and rip that all down. The foundations are there. We don't need an arsonist to come in and burn the place down. No, you're right. And John, I've got another uh, thing to ask you guys. Right, so there, like you said at the top of the show, John, there's no way this is all developed within 48 hours. There's no way it's all developed in a, in a week. Let's be honest, right? And I've got my own theory based on the timeline of certain people, i.e. Scott Munn going to Spurs uh, or being announced at Spurs um, at the beginning of April. Now, if you were to look at that, if Spurs have done two rounds of talks, which has now been suggested, and you would expect that to be the case, right? If they have done two rounds of talks with Ange, we will not be party to when the first round of talks took place. But in order for them to talk to our gaffer, we've had to give them permission, right? That seems pretty obvious, but that's the way it works. He's under contract for the next 12 months. You want to talk to him, we need to give you permission. Otherwise, he's been tapped up. So let's just say everything's been done above board. We've given them permission. It's at that point, John, 
that our recruitment process really in earnest should start now. In terms of the confidence that that's been the case, that's where my concern creeps in. And that's kind of based on how we uh, we allowed someone else. It was the tail wagging the dog with Eddie Howe, wasn't it? We basically just waited and waited and waited. Then he let us down. And I think that if we have given Ange Postacoglu permission for that first round of talks, whenever that may have been between April and now, um, and we haven't started a process at that stage, then that's on the board and that's really, really poor. But, the, but uh, you know, again, the, I, I, the, the talks would have started five minutes after Munn was appointed mm-hmm. because they didn't have someone. Uh, Spurs uh, would have been looking to bring in three or four guys in front of Ange, which they did. Uh, but he would have always known that Ange was there in the background. His Ange's agent would have been aggressively pursuing that. It's obviously in his interest to do so. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, Ange may not have been directly involved in talks face-to-face, but the deal was done. Mm-hmm. You don't need someone face-to-face in this day and age. You know, this whole thing's done. You know, the, the, the deal was done and dusted. All, all Ange did on the day, I imagine, was turn up and say, aye, that would be great, lads. Thanks very much, you know. And so, you know, the the deal was done. So I think nobody should be under any illusions about that. Now, again, but what we are hoping for is that our process, yeah, would have been similar to Spurs. But I don't think that's the case because they, you know, they've been through like four or five guys, but they've had a list mm-hmm. and they're just going through it. And then uh, the other thing is as well, I don't think there's any way. Not a hope Ange gets that job unless money is in there. I just don't think that happens. That I they wouldn't that. have taken him. You know, and I, I I was very relaxed about Ange being approached by EPL sides. We spoke about it on here before, because I thought what he would be offered is the cannon fodder jobs, the relegation jobs. And I don't think Ange is your man for relegation. But as soon as it became apparent that this first thing was real, well, of course he's going to go, you know, to that. You know, they're, they're one of the most well-resourced clubs uh, in the EPL, uh, which is an obscenely uh, rich league, you know. But you know, I can understand that, you know, from an ambition point of view, maybe that's what he wants to do. But from a money point of view, you know, these are not guys who were only making a decent wage as they were back in old man's day. You know, and would happily have you know gone three or four times the money could have meant you know a, a genuinely better standard of living. It is a matter of how many millions do you want? How many millions is adequate? I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, reminded of that that story. I heard someone saying of a cut Vonnegut and Joseph Heller, great writers at a party. And uh, the a superb party. This guy's throwing unbelievable wealth. You know, there's everybody's there. You know, there's uh, just, uh, you know, it's an unbelievable, ostentatious display of wealth. And Vonnegut turns to Helen and says, you see, this guy, he made more money in one day than you you made from writing Catch-22. And Heller says, I know, but maybe so. But I've got something he he will never have. Vonnegut said, what's that? He said, enough. So... You know, when yeah, you're talking about the difference between, you know, maybe four million we were offering them. Apparently, we were pushing the boat out. Mm. Four million we were offering them out of ten million a year. Yeah, sure, sure, that's a lot of money. I don't blame anyone for taking that. But you know, on a more philosophical point, how much is enough? 
how many millions are you going to spend? You're talking about generational wealth, your kids and your great-grandkids. Do you think your kids and your great-grandkids really need that wealth? Not to mention, have you ever met kids who have been the beneficiaries of generational wealth? They're horrific <laughs> human beings. <laughs> Generally speaking, they are truly horrible people who yeah. have never had to do anything for themselves. But anyway, that, that's, I'm really off on a tangent now. No, anyway, I, I just had an idea, John. I've yeah. got a wee flashback to Harry Enfield, Tory boy, for a moment. Do you remember him? <laughs> I <do> remember. <laughs> I remember Tory boy. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. going back to the state of politics. <laughs> By the way, one thing that occurred to me today, I was chatting um, in the studio this morning about the way this whole process works. And we're in an age of unbelievable communication ability whereby we can stream. And we've got guys from Hungary and we've got people in Japan. And that's part of the actual team we can stream to a kind of global audience at the click of a finger, right? And yet, we, we know nothing. Going back to the communication issue, yet we know nothing, right? Back in the day, you'll remember, by the way, there is a slight link here. Lou McCarry today turned 74. Quality street kid, Lou McCarry. There is a link because obviously during the writing of my book, I interviewed Lou a couple of times. The work he does down in Stoke with the homeless is unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So happy birthday to Lou McCarry. But back in those days, uh, John and your old fellow was at the club at the time, McCarry left for one reason and one reason only, money, right? It's not a new phenomenon. That was way back. That was in the early 1970s. But Lou McCarry took over from Liam Brady as the manager of Celtic. Um, and I remember when Liam Brady got the job, the whole process was covered by the news and the newspapers at the time. We knew exactly who was getting interviewed. They were getting doorstepped on the front door, John, of Celtic Park as they were going in for their interview. It was Frank Stapleton, Liam Brady, Tommy Craig and Ivan Golak. You remember he was the oh, manager of yeah, yeah. Partizan Belgrade when yeah. they knocked us out after a 6-6 draw. He later went on to be the manager at Dundee United when they beat Rangers in the Scottish Cup final in 1994. But it's just incredible that way back then, when communication processes were more difficult, we were better informed. Incredible. Hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, there, there, is, there is an element of that, isn't there? I, I think that, you know, I, but the thing about it is, let's, let's take this appointment, right, uh, that we have to do now. I think everyone would be happy if we knew there was a process, mm -hmm. if we knew that everyone had to go through the same process. So let's say that we all know that now what kicks into gear is a really extensive and comprehensive recruitment process where we are gathering in all these guys that we have been tracking because they are ideal for us uh, and we're filtering them down through a series of interviews. And if the end result of that is Brendan Rogers, then I don't want Brendan Rogers. But if, the end, if that's the end result of that process... I'm happy to accept that, right? And I think everyone would be happy to accept whatever manager comes, if they were confident there would be a process and he wouldn't be appointed in the equivalent of the showers, right? So, you know, I, I would just, I think, you know, that this is where it exposes the weaknesses that we constantly paper over. And, you know, whenever you try and talk about it on here, like, you know, if we try and talk about these systemic things uh, during the season before we're successful, Ah, oh, you're just what are you talking about that for? Let's talk about the football. Let's talk about this. You know, you've just been so negative. But this is what happens then. We're left exposed in these situations again. Yeah. And this happened so recently that all the candidates that we're talking about are the same candidates, the ghosts of Christmas past. Do you know what I mean? The, you know, the, 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 the overhyped, the unemployable, the, the never coming. Uh, the you know, and again, I get the ghosts of Christmas past, uh, the usual suspects, the merry-go-round, 
you know, I mean, it's 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 genuinely that's the one thing about this whole uh, situation that has really depressed me is just the filtering through these names again. Regurgitating them, John. You've reminded yeah. me though all the talk is showers. Reminded me of that wee story, Patrick, that Jackie McNamara told the other week about Chris Sutton and Martin O'Neill in the showers. You're going to have to. We can't let the cat out of the bag. You're just going to have to see Jackie live <laughs> and ask him the question. But there is a story in a shower. It must be a Celtic thing. I don't know. Um, but let's move on to threats then, John. Right. Yeah. So. Threats, you're, th- you're thinking most of our issues are actually weaknesses, right? So the weaknesses are where the, 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 most of the problems lie. But threats are external things. So let's look at external. So uh, some a miraculously resurgent Rangers mm. somehow, right? Um, or they managed to get themselves together and uh, sort out their finances somehow. So a Euro competition which either disadvantages us or uh, permanently excludes us. Uh, Continued uh, financial growth in other markets, such as England and elsewhere, which leaves us well behind, you know, because if you're not, if we're not growing, you're just, uh, you know, going backwards. An external takeover by bad faith actors um, and continued diminishment of the brand by failure uh, to progress in Europe. Uh, and player asset stripping. That's why I have as external threats. Uh, I mean, yeah, these these are sometimes the grisly ones, the ones you don't want to consider. But again, I've got losing staff and players, so there's the stripping of the assets there, John. And I think that um, there probably comes a time, I think the discussion uh, around John Kennedy is an interesting one, because I think there comes a time when, you know, on a personal level that that guy is going to take an opportunity. And I know that he got massive kudos for turning down Brennan Rodgers when everybody else went down there for all the, the riches and the, and all that kind of stuff. He's still here, and I like, you know, this is me being the emotional fan. I like the fact that there is a link there um, through the decades. I spoke about this before, John, whereby you look at that old picture I'm signing and it's Willie McStay that's standing behind him. You look at Willie McStay signing and it's Sean Fallon. Sean Fallon was signed by Jimmy McGrory. McGrory was signed by Maley. And I like that bloodline. But there sometimes comes a point where you know what? Let's refresh. Let's look at look at it as an opportunity to refresh. But yeah, I think that is a threat uh, because it's almost like um, you were saying earlier, ripping it up and starting again the old orange juice track. Um, the the other threat I feel is I've obviously got a couple of frustrations and concerns that I've spoken about today and yesterday, and it's not because we're in a situation. So let's go and blame the board. Let's find something wrong with the board. But very quickly, John if things don't start happening. And I don't expect, there's a few comments coming through saying, do you expect the board to tell you who the candidates are? No, I don't expect for us to know, uh, you know, Ivan Golak is entering Celtic Park and there's and there's all that kind of level um, of intrusion into the process. But I do expect a level of communication and progress. And the longer it goes on, the more the frustrations will grow. And then there's the, the potential for that kind of conflict to rear its head. And by conflict, I don't mean anything outside this area. I'm just talking about the conflict within, um, you know, having that holy trinity, the club and the fans and the players and the staff, and you remove one element of that, and then there's an issue. And I don't want that because we've got the treble. Uh, we're dominating Scottish football. It's the worst possible time for that conflict to rear its head again. Um, but that's that's the threats that I can foresee and that I'm fearing, uh, Patrick. Is there any others you would throw into the mix? Yeah, I'm sort of looking back at my threats and, uh, you know, half of them are actually weaknesses. Um, I've yeah, 
because obviously threats are external and a lot of these are sort of they're on the borderline you know when it comes to transfers people come for players so I've, I've got our own incompetence that's definitely a weakness that's not a threat um, I've got, you know, as sort of John said, a sort of resurgent Rangers coming out of nowhere. I've put Rangers throwing the kitchen sink at it, um, which is basically them just going for health, health, health for the can I say it? Hell for leather. I got there in the end, um, uh, and just going into massive amounts of debt. It's like they did in 2021, and just spending wildly just to win one league title. Um, not. Obviously not a total disaster because we'd still have Champions League qualification play, finishing second, but obviously you want to win the league. Um, a, a squad exodus, as you say, you know, whether that be Ange coming for players or, you know, Hattati going to Brighton, Kyogo going to Germany. Um, to lose the, the sort of, I, I consider us to have four or five key players like Hattati, Kyogo, Jota, Carter, Vickers, McGregor, that sort of spine. Um, for a significant number of those players to leave, I think would be disastrous. But equally, I think we need to look back at the COVID season and say to ourselves, we, we made a bit of an error there. It's sort of, you know, circumstan- circumstantial with, you know, not a lot of money being thrown around at that particular time with the pandemic. But, you know, we promised guys like Ayer and Edward and Christie and then Cham moves away mm. in the summer of 2020. Couldn't facilitate it. And you, you've seen how that had an effect on the squad. Um, so I think worse than a squad exodus this summer would be unnecessarily holding on to players um, and then if we do make a bad appointment and we do have a bad season those guys suddenly become a lot less valuable and we don't get the maximum amount of money because as you've seen with Christie I think, what was it, 3 million or something we got for Christie and then another 2 million a year later the way Christie was playing in 2019 we should have been getting you know, 15, 20 the way he was playing um, I think it's a great point because so, they were talking, um, I was talking to somebody at Inverness uh, at the club and they were talking about the sell-on at that point. There was a transfer window where there was a lot of rumours circulating and they were talking about making a sell-on on 12 million at that time. And that was on Ryan Christie. So you're right. I mean, the asset dropped uh, incredibly over a short space of time with, with Christie and others. Aye, so i just say, you know, with... I look at Dyson Maeda, for example, and I, I, I sort of struggle to see how another manager outside of Ange would have him playing the same way. You could maybe make a case for guys like uh, Greg Taylor, who have done really, really well under Ange, but have struggled in the past and might struggle in the future. You know, he's not the quickest guy in the world. Um, there are different players in the squad. You know, you sort of wonder how Moyle got on this summer and next season, Well, whether he'll continue to get a game for Celtic, whether he's the answer. Um, and then other guys like Kyogo, you know, hopefully we're not going for a hoofball, spe- hoofball specialist uh, or someone who plays a sort of more negative brand of football. Um, hopefully we do continue to press team to try and win the ball, win the ball back quickly, and Kyogo can fit right into that. But you know, if this is a summer to sell guys like that, sentimentality, sort of emotion can't come into it. If someone isn't going to fit the system, or if they're going to go down in value. We just need to bite the bullet and sell them and replace them right now. But, but there, there's, there, and I mean, that's a double conundrum, isn't it? Because let's say you take the, the likes of Hattati and let's assume then that someone's willing to play big money for him. I, I would be dubious about that uh, in terms of, well, it depends where he's going, lower levels of EPL, I suppose that would be fine. But, you know, his stats aren't great in terms of retaining possession, that sort of That's not the kind of 
midfielder that will do well in a league, um, you know, like the EPL, where you're punished for losing possession. So, um, you know, let, but anyway, let's say he goes. First of all, what if he doesn't go for the kind of money we need him to go for? Because uh, we don't want to be selling the whole spine of our team, but we are going to have to sell a couple of their better players uh, to fund the transfers. So what, what if they don't go for the money we want them to go for? And therefore, what if we cannot fund uh, the purchase of uh, superior players? Uh, and what if you know we, we butt up against the whole, the whole issue with wages again? Um, you know, uh, we are just com- completely constrained by the fact we just can't play the, You know, we could sign them, but we can't pay them. You know, uh, well, well, a lot of good guys. So, look, there's a, there's a lot of issues. Um, the logistics of squad management require a very talented manager, and uh, you know, again, uh, a talented coach or a talented director of football, and a talented, um, you know, head of resource and scouting. And in fact, it requires a talented football department, which is one of the things that we don't have, uh, you know, in enough depth. If we're talking about strength and depth. We need strength and depth in that department. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're, we're facing a lot of, uh, at the moment, uh, this is, a, is a, you know, effectively a dangerous time, isn't it? Because things can go wrong here. This is a moment where things can go wrong. Or, alternatively, you know, if we want to back ourselves, like Ange is backing himself down at Spurs, if we want to back ourselves here, we say, great opportunity. This is a great opportunity to get things right, uh, to put a manager in here who will build on this squad. Uh, because I'm not prepared to accept someone coming in, as I said earlier, and just saying, oh, well, we'll not do well in Europe this year. We'll have to be the next year or the year after the year after. If you do, and if, if, you know, if the guy's successful at all, he'll be, be about the door again. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, for, for me, uh, it has to be, you know, we have to have some continuity with the appointment. We have to have, and that's why it needs to be, you know, it can't just be, oh, well, Brendan's available. Oh, well, that guy's available. You know, a couple of things. Why are they available? You look at, Roger's available because he got relegated. And yes, uh, Alan Morrison did a great, you know, piece on how well he did in the years previous to that. Mm -hmm. Why is Marsh available? Because that was an absolute shambles at Leeds. And in fact, his job before that, he was only in it for five months before he got the boot. You know, because he he had two good years at Salzburg, right? Went from assistant. He had two good years at Salzburg. He won two doubles, did well in the Champions League, then went back uh, to Leipzig, got punted almost immediately, followed that by um, Leeds, got punted, you know, and they've had a shambles of a season. So, look, there's no, for me, I, I, I hope I hope that Mark Lowell has connections, you know, globally and we can unearth another Ange because I am not inspired by this regurgitation of the usual suspects. The same list, a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox, and you get the same <laughs> names coming up and again. Um, I want to get some of your thoughts. Martin, guys, we have had one bad season and I love all this doom. But it's not doom. We're simply looking at how we are going to appoint a new manager and who that new manager will be. I'm going to get you guys before we finish to hit me with a name, at least one, maybe two, uh, because I'm compiling a list of the actual contributors and who we want uh, to come in at Celtic Park. Danielle, welcome back to the show. Knutson, his name keeps coming up, or is it Knutson? Has always been in my mind since we played Bodo, uh, but apparently this is number two, is the mastermind behind it all. Potter for me now is my number 
one uh, Potter's name has been mentioned. Of course, Kevin Mullen. Can I just say, sorry, mate, can I just say about Martin before, before we, we, we like, Martin, you're talking about all that doom. We deliberately did it this way so that it wasn't emotional and it wasn't all dim and gloom. So we've done strengths and opportunities. I don't know yeah. if you missed them. Strengths, you know, Did you miss them, mate? Because we went through them. We went through the strengths and the opportunities. Uh, but the fact is, it's not doom and gloom to the fact, it's not doom and gloom to discuss the situation that we are currently in. Yeah. And how best to deal with that. I mean, the strengths yeah. section had more uh, contributions than anywhere else. Afternoon Axom says, Kevin, just like to remember everyone or remind everyone we are treble winners, world record breakers. Good luck, Ange. Thanks for the memories. We move on again. Nothing for the new gaffer or Potter for me. Uh, and Scott Mason, uh, again, this is a popular name. I said yesterday um, in relation to Nutson, he has the technical skill and is capable of working, says Scott, in lower budget range whilst getting the players and results. It was um, it was interesting, and it's not with hindsight, it was interesting at the time when we watched Bodo glimpt um, over the two legs, just how well they performed playing our brand of football better playing the style of football that we were aiming for, but doing it better. They looked like a version, Patrick, of what Ange was maybe trying to build us towards, maybe in season two or season three. They looked as though they were that little bit further ahead. And I think um, he's been touted by Jan Aja Fjortov, his uh, countryman as well. And obviously Norwegian managers have done okay for us. Eh? I don't mind. Uh, bad in the past. Um... I, it's, it's, I'm between him and Potter personally. It's mm. those are the two I'd, I'd really try and push the boat out for. By the sound of things, neither are going to happen. But that doesn't mean that that that's still who I would pick. So that would that would be my name. Um, I've heard all sorts of rumours about Potter wanting to stay in England, wanting to stay in London. Yeah. Uh, allegedly wants a Palace job. Uh, might take the Leeds job. Um, obviously, English. Managed in the Premier League, probably wants to stay in the Premier League, mates, for whatever reasons he's Scotland as a downgrade. And then, you know, obviously that isn't too, but it might be a barrier. And then he's got the garden and leave situation as well. But Knutson, allegedly touted by Ajax, doesn't want to leave mid season. So there's there's barriers to both of them. Um I think I think Newton would just about edge it because I think he plays obviously incredibly similar to the way that we play. And we know that he can do it. He bossed us. We know that he is better than Ange Ball because he's shown it over 180 minutes. We could beat five one. Yeah. Um, so that would be that would be my number one pick. Um, probably won't happen. I've got a suspicious feeling that Enzo Maresca, because just because it was a name two years ago, there's a City Football Group link. It's just it, it feels to me like it would make the most sense. But Knutson would definitely be my number one. Mm. Yeah. We've been hearing from a few, John. I'm going to come to you, Alan McAnally. Big Rambo thinks it's Davey Moyes. Lawrence Cornley agrees with him. He thinks Davey Moyes. Uh, yesterday, Liam, our man in Japan, he had a completely different take on it. You watch it back. Yeah. Uh, some people were, were not too <laughs> too convinced with uh, Liam's taking it, but Liam is watching Japanese football on a regular there. We've got Knutson, yeah. we've got Potter. Who, who do you think at this time, John, would excite you if he com- comes in? Who would be the right man? You know, Potter, I don't know. Apparently, he's uh, still marking the owls down at Hogwarts. It's that time of year, those exams. And, and if, and if there's, there, there is a reason never to have Potter in because you'll have years of those jokes, right? Just yes, years of them. That on its own should rule him out. 
right? Um, but uh, he's very much in the, uh, the the category of never coming, as I understand it. He is very much, uh, he fully believes uh, he's going to um, get a, a, another seat at the, the table uh, as soon as the next round of managerial sackings take place. So uh, I don't think he's coming. Uh, Knutson uh, is definitely my choice. Uh, I know uh, Phil McGillivan has written now twice that Maresca ha- has um, a very strong advocate in the football department. Now, to me, that can only be one person uh, because of the City Group links. That has to be Mark Lowell. So if Mark Lowell is pushing hard for it, then he is a strong advocate there. But I mean, you know, again, Maresca, you're looking back at his um, uh, tenure. So he's been an assistant manager apart from one period at Parma. And that period at Parma was pretty much a disaster. So he had like 14 games, uh, four wins, five losses, five draws, 28.5% win rate. Um, you know, he's not a man uh, who inspires confidence in me. Yes, he's been, you know, he's second to Pep. I imagine Pep's quite a good manager who would make other people look pretty good, you know. Uh, and Pep's been, he was a good manager before Maresca was his, his number two. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't want people really cutting their teeth in this job. I want someone who's at least been a manager and had to take responsibility. At least Marsh, for the fact that he had, you know, he's blown his last two jobs. At least he's, they were his jobs. You know, he was the main man. He had to take responsibility for that. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't particularly want newbies. I, I want someone, um, you know, we don't have a good record with newbies. We don't have a good record of letting people uh, use Celtic as their first job. It's not really ever worked out for us. So I would very much want someone who stood in their own two feet as a manager. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that, John. And I think it's important to, to remember that uh, there is a, a real allure to this particular position. It's a, it's a, a very attractive proposition to a, a great number of managers. And we just hope that we're not going to be caught napping. We have uh, been looking. We're already in the midst of that process. Loads to look forward to next season. Um, I've got to thank everybody, uh, 1,500 strong on the live stream for getting involved in the chat. It's been um, very good. Two ends of the scale. I think it's been pretty balanced and uh, positive all week in actual fact under the circumstances. So thanks everybody for getting involved in that. Um, If you want to come along and see us talking to another ex-Celtic manager, no, it's not Ange, but it is indeed (laughs) Gordon Strachan. Gordon Strachan will be joining us on stage. Too soon, mate. Too imagine soon. That? I know. Oh. Um, Gordon Stratton will be joining us on stage in a few weeks' time, the 30th of June at Barra's Art and Design. Come along uh, where Gordon will take us through a PowerPoint, John. That's true. He will take us through a PowerPoint um, of moments of his career uh, with a bit of insight and a bit of humour as well as only Gordon Stratton can. Ticket link is underneath this video. If uh, you like what we do, give us a big thumbs up on the YouTube channel and thanks everybody for getting involved. Final thing for me to say, Thank you, Patrick McGill and John Hughes, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Sports Social Podcast Network.